0: On this episode of the 2x e commerce podcast show, we're going to be talking about cracking the fourth quarter this year with Facebook advertising. So stay tuned. get involved, join me and let's put some fuel to skyrocket your e-commerce growth. inbound marketing strategies do you beat Amazon. Natural search and our search engine position is critical to the customer flow through the website. I personally would not have an account process interrupt checkout flow at all. My favorite customer lifetime value calculation is an easy one. It's your average order value times that purchase frequency times uh, your customer lifespan. I'm Kunay Campbell. L-l-l- let's get rolling. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. It is a game-changing email automation tool specifically built for scaling e-commerce businesses. I'm not just saying it. I use Klaviyo in my e-commerce store and in stores I advice for. Household names in the e-commerce space such as in, Bonobos and Chobis use Klaviyo. Here's why. Klaviyo has one of the most impressive feature sets in the e-commerce email personalization space at the moment. Besides the one-click setup, Klaviyo's pixel tracks visitor behavior to help you set up highly effective custom email funnels. Klaviyo also offers pre-built autoresponders for cart abandonment, upsells, and win-back campaigns. Klaviyo's most game-changing feature is its Facebook audiences integration, which helps your email list to sync up with your Facebook ad campaigns. So as you continue to scale up your store, Klaviyo will help automate a lot more sales. Try Clavio today on Clavio.com, spelt K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. Hi guys, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. And today's episode is super exciting because, you know, my guest has been here exactly three years ago. And um, if you rewind back to episode 29, yeah, that early, he was the genius behind the Lost My Name brand that grew to about $26.5 million in 18 months through Facebook advertising primarily. The Lost My Name brand has changed to Wonderbly, I believe. And it was like a personalized children's book. And um, yeah, he he started Facebook from the early days. Um, He's worked in not just Facebook, but marketing in the UK in general. He's he's an award-winning bimmer. I don't know what BIMA stands for, but it's like a marketing association. I think it's British. It's a British marketing association, basically. And he he won um, an award for for the Lost My Name campaign. He's worked with Ward Remit, Packed Coffee, Talk and Box, Anne Summers, Tesco. You know, you name it. He he is a top Facebook expert, um, not just in the UK but internationally. Um, he's building a name. Um, he has an agency and also, um, you know, runs a few courses and he's here to share some nuggets, some some really golden nuggets for Q4 of um, you know 2018. Um, how to roll e-commerce with Facebook advertising in, in 2018. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Deepesh Mandelia
1: to the show. Welcome, welcome, Deepesh. Hey, how's it going? Great to be here.
0: Great stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, I, I introduced you, but, you know, could you just introduce yourself in, in less than a minute and then we'll jump right into the show?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So right now, um, everything I'm doing is concentrated into Facebook ads. So I've been running Facebook ads for six years now. First in, first 18 months, I would say I failed at it and then found a winning formula. As you mentioned, it lost my name. And then since then, I've been helping other companies out. So I've actually been in marketing for 15 years now, e com specifically since 2005. And really what I'm working on now is how can I reach more and more people to improve their businesses through Facebook ads? So as you mentioned, I run the agency. I also do some kind of coaching and um, training as well. And also I work directly with Facebook as well. And it was actually Facebook that gave me the impetus to start this journey last year and move away from contracting and actually try and support more and more people with Facebook support. So everything I'm doing right now, um, I, I have a mentor at Facebook and they're supporting me in really getting the message out there of getting Facebook ads to work better for companies And in that, my name is also growing. So it's a kind of win-win for everyone.
0: Uh, That's that's amazing. I have to say you are a hard worker. You have a lot of grits. Um, I follow you on Facebook, um, both your group and, um, you know, your your, your page. And, you know, we're friends on Facebook and you know, you're there, you're always, you know, there at the same time you're working, which is amazing. But what I want to rewind back to is your decision to move into Facebook full time. Cause I know you've been involved in, 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 in SEO, you've been involved in CRO, you, you you've been involved in marketing, you you, you know, and, and you've won an award, you know, awards in around marketing, general marketing or digital marketing. Why Facebook is, is Facebook the, the major opportunity in marketing now to explore or um, do you think otherwise?
1: So really right now, I don't think there's a marketing platform out there that's better than Facebook. And that's really why I've decided to just go deep into this. So, you know, I, I did affiliate marketing 2011, 2012, created um, a big revenue stream through that and that was through SEO and content at the time. And actually SEO was a gold mine. It really was mm-hmm. until until Google changed the game and made it a lot more difficult I was then kind of switched between paid search and some other channels and you know, spending significant sums on paid search. But when I found the winning formula within Facebook, one of the things I realized is, you know, Facebook is an all encompassing marketing channel. And I'm not not saying this to say Facebook should be channel. But if you think about the impact Facebook can have, it, it can do the job that TV does. So mass appeal, mass reach, um, and pulling people out of leisure time and into the advertising process we can do direct response um, mm-hmm. and everything in between as well. So I think the reason I wanted to focus in more on Facebook, partly because of the success I had, but partly because I just saw so much opportunity here. Um, and even now, like we're in 2018, I've been not doing Facebook ads for six years and still I see companies not fully taking advantage of it. And, you know, the, the companies of all sizes, I'm talking about kind of solo I'm talking about mm-hmm. established businesses. Facebook has still got so much to offer. Um, yeah. And I know, you know, as many people will know, Facebook is getting more competitive. There are more advertisers. Equally, Facebook are doing what they can to open up more advertising space as well. But what I really focus on is how to be more efficient with your spend and scale faster. Like They're the two big things that I think differentiate me from others. is not trying to get confused in too many things. It's literally how do you squeeze more value out of what you're doing, and then how do you increment your your outcomes from Facebook faster as well. How do we do that? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, like when I'm looking at a campaign, what I'm looking at is things like, what is the type of product? What's the saturation in the market? Do you have product market fit? What kind of profile do you have on your customers? And then like, for example, looking at your average order value determines how you play Facebook out. So I talk about something called relationship funnels and, and the analogy, and I love my analogies is of dating. And if you're going after someone, it's a one night stand. How many dates would you want to go on with this person, and how much money are you going to invest on this person? Mm-hmm. Probably not a lot because your goal is really immediate, short term, etc. Flip that around, and you've met the person of your dreams, and you really want to spend the rest of your life with this person. How much time and money are you going to spend on this person now? And the same kind of principle applies with Facebook. So if you're selling a twenty dollar item you're not going to build a complex funnel with videos and kind of nurturing and all that kind of stuff. You know, your, your cost, you want to minimize that and you want to get that sale as fast as possible. Flip that around. Um, and I think two, three months ago, I was working on a coaching product for $6,000. It's a completely different proposition. We had to warm the audience up. We had to date them. We had to woo them, had to build funnels that would take them deeper and deeper in terms of indoctrinating them on the, on the solution. And then we closed. And in fact, we closed on the telephone. Mm-hmm. That's a big sum to try and close online. So one of the things I look at is when I see people struggling with Facebook and saying Facebook doesn't work, I'm always asking, like, what's your product? Do you understand your persona? How much testing have you done on that? What kind of funnel do you have? And it's those kind of principles, which, you know, they're marketing 101. I'm not inventing anything new here. This is marketing that's been done for hundreds of years. I'm, I'm bringing that into the Facebook world and making it work around the kind of Facebook Tools and the processes to to bring out the value that people are looking for.
0: I love the point you made with regards to product market fit. You know, a lot of people are. You know, you can't put lipstick on. You know, on a pig. Yeah. And, um, you know, it it is really important to establish product market fits, you know, both outside of Facebook and within Facebook, and then, you know, use Facebook to, to scale and reach people. What you do when, um, so with the product at the core of, you know, the entire, you know, Facebook advertising strategy, what do you do if like, you know, um, someone, you know, approaches you with a, with quite a crap, you know, product, do you, do, do you turn them around? Do you, do you, where, you know, how do you advise them to fix their product uh, and, you know, uh, before they, they consider Facebook?
1: Sure. So, I mean, my approach there is if I don't feel the product is ready for the market yet is to go and give them advice to actually not even start with Facebook ads. So Facebook ads is great for accelerating and, and kind of growing big But it's not good if your product isn't ready for the market or if you haven't actually scoped out what the problem is that you're solving or what the opportunity is that you're creating for customers. So often what I recommend they do, and actually Lost My Name did this when, when they started off. They went to friends and family, like people that fell into their ideal target market. They went to them and asked for candid feedback and they got candid feedback. And what happens is you know, you don't have to spend money, just literally get the product out to people that you feel would be your kind of ideal market and, and get that feedback and start iterating. So in the, in the example of lost my name, I think it was like version 32 of the product before we actually even started spending money on acquisition. That's yeah. 32 times the product was iterated based on validated feedback from people who were the potential market. And a lot of these were friends and family. And also when you start to tap into friends and family, you can even ask, you can expand your circles. Like, do you know five other people that I could ask? Do you, do you know two, three other people I can ask? The other thing that I also recommend, and I do a lot of work with startups, I've worked with base, uh, with Seedcamp, with textiles as well in London is actually use some kind of online tools to validate. So there's one that I use with startups called usertesting.com. There's also whatusersdo.com. They're very similar tools. Mm -hmm. And what they allow you to do is, for example, you don't even need a transactional website. You could just have a static website or even just a screen. Have your product up there, your proposition, and you can ask people questions and actually record, record their screen activity and also their verbal feedback on your product. And you can ask them questions like, What does this product mean for you what does it do would you be interested in it how much would you pay for it and all that kind of stuff and you can actually get some real real fast and validated feedback on your product before you even spend money on acquisition and and this is where i see a lot of problems where when people are using facebook ads to drive traffic there's too many variables to determine what's going wrong like is it the product's not good enough is it your targeting? Is it your creative? Is it your sales funnel? Is it the price? Like you have to isolate as much of that as you can. Mm. If you've tested price, you've tested, tested products, uh, market fit, then you can you can say, right, I know it's not that. Then you focus on audience and creative. Like how do I get my audience and creative pair uh, working? And then when you get the traffic into your website, then you can squeeze your sales funnel. And so that's kind of something which I try and teach people. Like, you know, in, in the agency world, I get lots of inquiries from people who are not a great fit for us. And actually we've, we've, repositioned ourselves to an agency that are here to help companies to scale up that are established with a product with some research on the market, actually with some traffic already. I, I've made the mistake. I took on clients that had a brand new product and um, you know, they saw the story of lost my name and I wanted to follow it. But what mm-hmm. people often miss out is behind the story. There are many sub stories, 18 months of product iteration that Facebook uh, that lost my name went through is often here because people see the mega growth that we did afterwards.
0: No, you're, you're absolutely right. So if, if you look at the, the last, um, you know, five years, the last 10 years, you know, there's been a wave of direct to consumer, you know, success stories, the Caspers, the Lessers, the Mohabis, you know, um, all these brands that have skilled significantly with Facebook advertising. But as you said, there'd been a lot of behind the scenes, you know, work, on, you know, iterating their product and, you know, finding product market fits outside of Facebook. And they just came to Facebook and they killed it, absolutely killed it. While some people just start businesses oh, and, and throw it into Facebook and expect, you know, magic or, or silver bullet, which absolutely. was crazy and ridiculous. Okay, let's talk about Q4. You know, um, you, you posted something on Facebook and that I just said, you know, I have to talk to you. I have to bring you on the show to talk to you. And mm-hmm. um, so Q4 e-commerce This is July. People will be listening to this in July. We're recording this in July. What should we be doing? How should we be prepping up for Q4?
1: So there's many challenges in Q4, uh, not just from a Facebook point of view, just generally. Like a lot of e-commerce companies, 70% or around that mark of their revenue is actually allocated into Q4 because that's the Christmas buying period and holiday sales and things like that. And what I find... I guess kind of worrying looking at some of these companies and I've done lots of consulting for ecom uh, companies is that the planning often starts too late or the testing starts too late. I'll give you a complete contrast. So I used to work for Tesco and they would start planning t- uh, Christmas as soon as the previous Christmas had finished. Now, obviously for a, a billion dollar company, you have to have a, a big planning pipeline. But on the flip side, I see small and medium sized businesses not really thinking about Christmas until Either late September or October, and actually by then, if that's when you're starting to do your testing, and I'm talking about not just um, you know creative testing or things like that, it's also what what packages or bundles or price points or offers or landing pages, anything like that. And you know, to give an example, um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday are obviously big peaks in Q4. Don't wait until then to test the best offer. Like some 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 um, brands that I've seen will do a test offer with segments of their email database in September and say, hey, this is an early Black Friday offer. Mm. They're not really doing it to pump up sales, but they're doing it to test what the reaction would be. And then, you know, if you test three, four offers or packages or bundles, and you've done that in September, doesn't matter what the profit and loss is, get the reaction. Like what's the one that really motivates people? You can even boost it to your fans or whatever is on Facebook, get the reactions, what's working, what's not. So that when you actually come into Black Friday and Cyber Monday, you, you're, you know, you're, you're ahead of like 80% of the advertisers out there and you've already done some validation so that you actually, when, when that day does land, you've already isolated one testing thing, which is, is it my offer a bundle? And then you can just focus on scaling, you know, you know, something that's going to work, just focus on scaling that.
0: Okay. So, so you, you sort out your, your bundle, your offer, you know, uh, on on Facebook, what about the audience? Do do you start warming up the audience? When do you start warming up the audience, uh, the Facebook audience for, for Q4?
1: So for Q4 generally, um, in in the consumer's mindset, Mm -hmm. honestly, they're not really thinking about Christmas until after Halloween. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from the years and years of doing this, there's always been a sequence of summer holidays and summertime and then kind of kids back to school in September and October then there's a half term, then there's Halloween, and then Christmas starts to kick in, the holiday sales from November. But that's not when you should be in the pool playing on testing your audiences and creatives. You need to be doing that earlier, and you can do that um, in different ways. You can package up your offers outside of Q4. You know, don't have to say this is a holiday sales offer and just start testing which creatives are resonating, which audiences are giving you the best reactions, um, which campaigns can you actually scale up in October um, outside of kind of getting ready for the November rush. So really for me, when I'm working with um, my own accounts or my client accounts, I'm literally testing like from now, like July, August, and September is a huge testing period to test audiences and creatives, um, and kind of sales flows, landing pages, et cetera. So that when I'm now coming into October, I can f- kind of compress that down and start to think about the holiday sales. And then by November time coming, I've got lots and lots of learnings. Now, until you're in November, you won't know what's going to work, but that's when you accelerate your testing. Like it's not to say do your testing now and then just focus on scaling in November. You want to do even more, more, more testing. And when you find the breakouts, the things that are working, that's when you accelerate it hard. And, you know, it's, it's honestly like just to scale hard on Facebook, it can be as simple as having one really awesome large audience, one or two really, really good creatives and a great sales funnel. Like that's all you need. If that's all dialed in and you've done the testing behind it, then you can start scaling it up. But it's the testing behind it, which I see lots of people failing at.
0: Okay, let's let's flesh. Let's get down to another level, to, to a deeper level, and talk about the testing. What what what's your testing methodology? Um, how how should we approach testing?
1: Yeah, so I, I guess it depends what you're testing. So there's three things I'm looking at. It's um, the product, it's the audience, and the creative, and then I guess you can have a landing page on that as well. So when it comes to product testing, especially with dropshippers, like you, obviously you want to find that winning product for Q4. But you can't wait till Q4 to validate everything. So um, I, I you know, when I'm running um an e com test in Facebook, when I'm testing multiple products, what I'm looking at is for every product, I want at least five audiences, and, and then for every audience I want at least three creatives. And I'm testing those really, really fast. But the way I do testing is I don't look at how much I've spent or uh kind of how many um sales I've made. I'm looking at impressions. Now the reason for that is for anyone that's been working with Facebook ads, they'll know that 500 is a golden number for Facebook to come up with relevance score. Mm. Why 500? Well, statistically, that's the number that Facebook have found is enough to determine whether the audience and the creative have matched up. So that's just 500 people. So why are we spending money on tens of thousands of impressions? if by 500 facebook have already made a decision. Now I'm not saying only test 500 impressions. What I do is I set my threshold at 5000 impressions for me statistically that's far far more than you need. In practice I will look at my early results at about 1500 to 2000 impressions. So when people say you know how much should you spend a day should it be $5 $10 etc. I'm talking about how how much do you need to spend to get 1500 to 2000 impressions. I bet. And so the other thing is like how much are those impressions going to cost you? So CPM, that depends on the objective that you're using. So in Facebook, you can choose the website conversion, page post engagement, video views, et cetera. Now the more rounded your targeting is and you know, if you're going after people that are likely to purchase, the more expensive your CPM is going to be. So the cheaper, Ways that I run testing is through video views and page post engagement. So if I've got a video view, I'll run a video views campaign and page post engagement. If it's not a video, what I'm looking for is not necessarily, uh, you know, the cost of engagement and things like that. I'm looking at number one is my ad getting click through rate. And number two, how, how far down the funnel are my clicks getting? So to give you an example, when we're doing testing, it really depends on average order values, but let's say it's a product around 30, $40. When I've got two to 3,000 impressions, I would expect at least you know, maybe five ad-to-carts if it's, if it's an ad that's resonated with that audience. now You might look at this and say, well, you know, if you're running page post engagement, Facebook's just going to serve it to people who are likely to comment, share, or like. In reality, and this is through testing on probably close to 100 different accounts with this, what, what Facebook does is it delivers it to an audience but Facebook doesn't really know if they're, if they're a buyer or not. And what I found time and time again is because the cost per thousand impressions is cheaper on PPM uh, uh, video views, you can actually do better rounded testing. You can actually spend more, like up to the 5,000 impressions. And because you can get more for your money, you can do more testing. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna run that same testing on a website conversion campaign, it will probably, you know on average, cost you four to five times more to test. So therefore, your test budget doesn't go as far. And and so that's why I kind of focus my testing on uh, the kind of cheaper CPM. And then what I'm doing is if it's a product um, based test, then I'm testing multiple audiences and creatives. If the product isn't the thing I'm testing and I'm testing audiences, then I'm testing, you know, 10, 15, 20 different audiences with the same creative down all of them to see what the reaction is like. If I'm testing creative, then I'm choosing my best audience and I'm testing multiple creatives. So this is the kind of, Really, for me, this is the guts of the machine mm-hmm. that enables me to optimize and scale the way we can because testing never stops. But getting testing right from the start is one of the core principles to be able to scale a Facebook account.
0: Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I, love, your, um, I, I love your explanation with regard to PPE because um, what you're doing is you're spreading the net a lot wider and you're increasing your, 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 your chances as well, statistical significance here. And, you know, there might be small buckets within, you know, that um, that wider span of, you know, people you're going to reach with the same amount of money that will be customers, that are likely going
1: to be customers. Amazing. Um, yeah. And the, the other thing I would add is like every audience poll, consider it like an ocean and consider your customer that you want to get the fish you get hungry fish you get fish that are not hungry and they're your purchasers they're your browsers let's say mm-hmm. the the ocean is full of boats your boats are your ad sets and where they're placed in the ocean depends on your campaign objectives so if you're going for website conversion your boats are going to be positioned around the hungry fish if you're going after page post engagement they could be positioned anywhere on the ocean but they will be positioned where there's more fish they may not be hungry if you throw in a really good hook, your your baits for the fish, um, and and you've done your interest targeting or your lookalikes well, then you will get closer to your prime audience. So the way I look at it is when you're throwing ads at your potential customers, that's like throwing hooks into the ocean. Mm. And often what happens, and this is another thing that people don't always understand, is when you launch an ad or an ad set, Facebook will apportion it to part of the audience. So let's say you've got a million or 10 million people in your audience, what's the chance of Facebook immediately finding the best part of the ocean? It's actually fairly small. Mm. So what I often do is even if an ad set has failed, even if an ad has failed, I might test it two, three more times by just duplicating it. Because what that does is it puts the boats and the hooks back out in the ocean and just tries a different part of the ocean. And actually I've found some success there where audiences I thought would work didn't initially, or or creatives I thought would work didn't work initially. And actually when you retest them literally just by duplicating, you're canceling out any history behind that. You're throwing it back into the auction. Sometimes it works as well. And like one of the kind of um, tips on scaling is also, um, even if you're struggling for creative, you can duplicate the same ad three, four times in the same ad set. And more often than not, you'll see different performance and you'll see this come out because even though it's the same ad set, it's the same creative, that creative is getting served to different people and different auctions and you'll see different results coming through as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That base is a million. So, you know, i um, Facebook would just, you know, I'm um, check and check with, with, with different groups of people. Amazing. I mean, okay. So again, I love what you just said about, um, you know, the hook and the bait. you know, the, the, the metaphor you use there and, you know, liking it with your creative and your offer. Um, what are, in your opinion, um, what e e-com brands, e-commerce brands out there are, you know, giving or delivering now, um, some of the best creatives you're, you're finding.
1: That's a, that's a tough one. Cause I'm super, super critical. Um, I, I, honestly, I can't think of one e-commerce brand that I think's absolutely killing it off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges I also have is because I do a ton of testing on Facebook, my news feed is, you know, as far as ads go, it's a bit, it's a bit of trash because uh, I get so <laughs> many different ads getting served. But you know, if I'm thinking of a kind of theme, it's the ads that don't make it feel like it's an ad. Like that's the thing that I always try and push home is, if I look at an ad, it's really interesting. It really kind of hooks me in. That's the kind of ad that I want to create. Like you you look at your newsfeed and sometimes you look at an an ad in the newsfeed and it looks too polished or it just looks blatantly like they're trying to sell me something. Then, you know, you're putting people off. I remember Facebook did a talk actually, I think last Q4, and they did this actual test with us in the room. And they said, look, uh, we're going to show you some newsfeed posts. Tell us which ones are ads. And honestly, like we got most of them wrong because there were companies like Red Bull. Um, there were other kind of um, big brands that had created really good user generated content or made content that feel like it was a natural part of the newsfeed. and actually didn't even realize it was, it was an ad. So mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of key thing that I try and press home.
0: So, so do you think you could leverage um, the... Um, you know, um, like, could you leverage content generated by influencers? You know, um, say you 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 outsource. You know, so not necessarily outsource, but you 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 know, you give you know influencers products, you know, free products, so you can pay them or something. Could you re- reuse their their content if you know you're
1: legally allowed um, in in adverts? Do, do you see that working at all as a strategy? Yeah, hundred percent. So um, some of our clients use it. We try and recommend it when we can. So um, it's either going through influencers. A lot of these influencers are happy to get free product um, for a review. Others do want some payment. Others want affiliate links to be able to promote your products as well. Mm -hmm. And all you do is say, look, I'm happy to do this in return. Would love for you to do a video. This is kind of what we're looking for. Like, don't just give them the products and say, do us a video. You need to give them some kind of boundaries and say, um, like, for example, I'm working with a hair shampoo client and they give the product out, but then there's three or four steps in the guideline, which is, talk about how your hair is now and some of the problems you've got, do some kind of um, quick video of you lathering the shampoo in your hair, Mm. then kind of dry it and show people how the hair looks after and that kind of stuff. That does phenomenally well because it's a real person. They're going through the same thing that a prospect wants to go through. But what we do is we focus on different pain points, greasy hair, um, knotty hair, um, colored hair, all those kind of things. So it appeals to different parts of the audience, but they will connect. They'll immediately connect when they see this influence of doing this in the video. And also the video looks quite raw as well. Like we are, you know, the steer is don't make it too professional. It has to feel natural. So people are doing it on their iPhones. Um, whether it's a shaky hand or um, a selfie stick to make it look like someone's literally just posted it up and shared it as well.
0: I'm seeing a lot of that in the info, you know, products world where, you know, people, and um, you know, the, the guy who pioneered it in the info world is um, obviously um, Ty Lopez, um, you know, the, the infamous, um, you know, um, I'm choosing this from my garage, you know, um, you know, video. Would you, just going into what you just said um, with regards to the different pain points, would you, from a testing standpoint, um, focus on one pinpoint per creative, or could you combine all pinpoints into, you know, um, you know, one creative and you know just try and be as wide as possible? Uh, what, what do you see working from from the campaigns you're managing?
1: So I, I would turn that around. Like if if I said to you, "Currently, look, I'm I'm an e-commerce guy. I think I can help you out." You'd probably be like, "Okay, that's oh. interesting." But if I said to you, "Look, I'm actually," Uh, a Facebook ads expert on e-commerce um, and I work with you know um, price points around your range and I think I can help you scale. Whilst I could probably do Instagram, I could probably help you out with paid search and all the other things. If I can focus on what your biggest pain point is right now, you're more likely to want to work with me. And that's the kind of thing that I try and get people to focus on is just use one main hook. doesn't matter if you've got five or 10 USPs, the more you throw at people, the more they have to think about it or if it's too broad and you make them think about how your solution matches their problem, they're just going to walk away. You know, you've probably heard that the attention span of humans right now is less than goldfish. It's even less in the newsfeed. Like there's three things that I get people to focus on the newsfeed. Number one is to get people to stop scrolling. Like literally you can have the best video, the best copy, the best product. If someone doesn't stop scrolling, it's a complete waste of time. So that's your first challenge. Number two is then engagement. And engagement for me um, is a combination of, you know, having a good creative to get them to stop and take notice and it has to be relevant. The first two lines of your copy and also the kind of um, description and area below the image are the next things that people look on and they have to really connect so, so quickly. Then once you've got them engaged, the third thing is you need them to take action, whether it's to engage in your video so you can create a custom audience or click your link so they can go and visit your website. Mm-hmm. They're the only three things that matter. And so what I try and get people to focus on is how do you get your audience to stop, take notice and take action. You do that by li- uh, really cutting out any kind of attrition. Don't make them think too much, but keep it simple and keep it direct. If you try and put too many things into your message, your ad copy, your video. It's going to overwhelm people. You know, people don't want to invest their time in trying to understand your proposition. You know, if you look at a lot of the viral videos that dropshippers put out, they're very to the point. They've got a really viral video. It's quick. It's catchy. It gets to the point and it just hooks people in. And it's Mm -hmm. that kind of thing that you have to focus on. So I would always say hook them with one key aspect of what you're trying to do. If you then explain a few extra points, you know, further down, that's fine. But just try and find the one angle and one hook per ad and then test them. Because also in any given audience, they're not all going to react to the same thing. You know, that you have to put these different hooks into the ocean and, and the different bait will catch different fish.
0: Okay, so, so how do you stop them you know scrolling um what techniques what, what, what one or two three techniques do, do, do you have gg's collar or you know um how do you grab them uh, first I mean, we're
1: talking milliseconds here right that's right yeah there's quite a few techniques so um one which i like to use but i don't want to overuse is even just going into black and white like if you scroll wow. down your feed um that is so out of place and I know I talk about trying to blend in, but sometimes, you know what, well, that takes notes as well. Well, wow. if you do that, you have to absolutely make sure that you can hook them in the copy really quick and the image is relevant as well. Um, the other one is also popping the colors. So, for example, if you take an image and you just increase the contrast, like I had an ad for um, a kind of fitness product and there was a lady who was lifting some weights and she was wearing, I think she was wearing white with a kind of yellowy background or kind of natural sunlit background and we increase the contrast so it literally looked orange and, it, and that got people to stop scrolling and actually look to the product etc. Um, also if you're running a video like experiment with the thumbnail. I see so many videos where people just choose a default video and they're not even testing thumbnails like if someone doesn't stop and view that video then your video is wasted as well. Um, there's other things like um, using images that are related but also slightly different to maybe what they're looking for as well. Mm. Um, or, or kind of, I'm just trying to think of some of the ads that I put out, like from my own brand, where I put an ad out, but it's me in a kind of different environment that maybe it's, you know, they'll, they'll see someone, but I'm in a kind of environment that just tweaks a bit of interest, I think. So mm. there's lots of different angles, either in the photography, the picture of the uh, kind of stock images, if you want to use those, which I recommend you don't the contrast, the color. Um, and and you just need to experiment with what's going to work for your particular type of customer. Um, and yeah, just test it.
0: So this sounds like a science and an art. Um, what, how do you approach it in your agency? Do do you are you involved in you know in creatives, or do do you work with with um, you know media planners, or do, do clients just supply you with creative um, based on your guidance on like you know what you just said? Um, it's it's a fine balance, and what do you do when you're not very happy with the creative?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really d- difficult because as an agency, we, we're bound by brand, um, guidelines, content, guidelines, et cetera. So in some cases, you know, we can't do some of this experimentation, but like, even from example on my affiliate sites on my e sites, that's where I love to experiment and love to test. And I will try and bring these back to clients. Some of them are like, yeah, let's absolutely give it a go. Others, you know, they don't want to tarnish their brand. That's absolutely fine. And we have to work within those controls. But you know, for a lot of people that I work with, they own their own businesses or they're solopreneurs or small to medium sized businesses, Mm -hmm. they're able to take more risk. And my argument is always, if you're getting results, you know, a lot of these companies not not even established brands, yet brand guidelines are an important thing. I'm like, results come first, like build your revenue before you build your brand. You can't start a brand new e-commerce store. And you know, even if you're having 10K a month in sales, that's not a lot. Mm -hmm. Build up your revenue, build up your following, and then worry about your brand and your position and things
0: like that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's, it's a fine balance, you know, and, um, the, you, you're more nimble, the smaller you are, you know, to, to experiment and take, take risks. Yeah, amazing, amazing stuff. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it sounds to me like the pillars and test and really audience product and, you know, your offer, your, your creative, um, then, um, beyond scaling, you know, beyond the testing, you know, um, when we're in Q, so you, you test in Q3 for Q4. What about the scaling in Q4, uh, you know, come November, you know, when everybody's prepped up, you know, um, Black Friday is around the corner, Cyber Monday is there, you know, um, how do you start to, you know, to build momentum and scale for, for just that short window of about three, four weeks?
1: Yeah. So I mean, like for example, Black Friday is a great example because it's one day, of the year that sales are just absolutely magnified. So what I'm doing there is doing really fast testing. Like this is so hands-on. And what I'm doing is looking at early opportunities to see where, for example, my click-through rates, my conversion rates are doing well, and then scaling that fast and testing fast. So for example, one of my scaling techniques to go really fast is to make duplicates of the same ad set. Now, what I would be doing is, prior to this, I'd be doing lots of testing on manual bid so that I know by audience what kind of manual bid ranges I need to be aiming for. The Facebook auction is dynamic. So, you know, if you've done testing in Q1, Q2, and you, you know, you've got your uh, max bid at, let's say, $50 for a $30 product, and that does really well for you, it's not going to be the same, same thing that works in Q4. You have to be prepared to test that a lot. But what, what I would say is if you're scaling... Um, and, and other people will say, otherwise the best way to scale is through through manual bid. Because one of the key things about Q4 is if you've got a product that's validated and you've done audience and creative testing, it's a buyer's market. Like the majority of people are going to hit on Facebook with an econ product. They're just looking for gift ideas. They're looking for something different and unusual. And on black Friday, I know a lot of people don't want to play the game, but an offer really does need to kind of be there. Cause that's the thing people are looking for. I've worked with brands that said, you know, we're not doing offers. We're absolutely not doing any offers or promotions that makes it so much difficult. Like for me, you have to make a decision. Are you going to give on margin for the sake of volume or is margin the most important thing for you? And you're not going to, you know, stretch your volume. You need to have that really thought out before and then have a game plan. Like if things are going really well. You've given like 10% discount. How do I scale this? So if you have an audience that's sort of, let's say you've been working with a small audience. say so let's say, you know, like UK 1% is, um, 420 K. If you've done your testing on a 1% audience and you're really comfortable with it, and then you come to Q4 and you're like 1% is doing really well, but I've now maxed out. You, you know, if you haven't already tested the two, the three, the four, the 5%, all the way up to 10% and you don't know where, Um, the balances between the different audiences and creatives, you can't do that on the Friday. Like you cannot do that on Black Friday and really start experimenting. You need all of that dialed in already. So you need to have already tested all the different audiences, get an idea for which creatives work. And in terms of scaling, I'm then looking to duplicate my ad sets. And when I do, I'm increasing the budgets aggressively. So let's take, for example, um, I have an ad set that's doing $500 a day. And I think there's scope to scale it up. I would have probably already scaled it up leading into Black Friday. But if I see there's a breakout opportunity, I would have already had my max bid ranges set up. I would duplicate into those max bids and then I would scale up a lot more aggressively. So I might launch, um, depending on whether it's my own products or a client's and what the appetite for risk is, I might do um, five ad sets of a thousand each or 10 ad sets of a $10,000 each um, budget and then I'm keeping a close eye with my max bids to see which ones are performing well or not looking at the early indicators like click through rate, what kind of CPC am I getting? How far are they getting down the journey? So like when I'm looking at my columns in ads manager, mm-hmm. I'm looking at not just outbound clicks. I'm looking at landing page views, view content, add to cart, how are each of those performing? And also don't forget to up your retargeting budget. Like I see lots of people missing this out is mm-hmm. as you're really ramping up your cold, your prospecting budget, you better be ramping up your retargeting as well. The kind of goal that I'm looking for is anywhere between 10 to 15% of my overall budget should be in retargeting. So they're the kind of things that I'm looking at. And then you know, as you go deeper into scaling out, I would then be looking at, for example, if I feel like website conversion, um, you know, I need to add more oomph to it. One of the techniques I use is then I might launch a video views or a page post engagement campaign alongside that and put some additional budget there it has a dual purpose. Number one, if you're creative, your audience, your landing page is working really, really well already, it, it expands your audience to similar people, um, but also it bulks up your social proof as well. And, you know, this is the other thing that I would also recommend is in October, November, when you've got creatives that are working well, really work on bulking up that social proof. You know, that makes such a big difference at any time of the year, but especially in Q4, you know, if you launch a new, new ad and someone sees it in Q4 and it's got 10 likes, 20 likes versus someone else has already dialed in 20,000 likes, mm. you know, you know, which product they're going to go for. So they're the kind of things and there's a whole range of these things and, you know, I can talk for hours on it, but they're the kind of small things that sometimes people miss out on. That's Such
0: a hugely important point you made because, you know, um, the 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 auction the ad auction is busy it's like it's the busiest in in Q4 you know Cyber Monday you know and uh, and and, um, and Black Friday and you know it, it, you know the who wins the auction is not just based on price so you know that social proof you just talked about you know building that social proof probably indicates quality to 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 Facebook and um, hopefully. Wow. To, yeah. Okay. So do you think we should be building social proof on the ads? So if we think like, um, you know, our ads are, so if we've tested our ads and they look really good, do we just hone in on a few ads and, um, you know, just throw in a lot of social proof to those ads with the view of, you know, um, bringing them up on, on Cyber Monday and and Black Friday or, or Q4 in general?
1: Yeah. So the way I do testing, because I'm already testing in PPE predominantly, my ads are already picking up a lot of social proof. So if I find a winner and I move it from PPE using the post ID, which you can share across, into a website conversion campaign, then I keep them both running. So I have some budget going into the PPE ad whilst I'm trying to scale up the website conversion ad. So I'm still working on um, driving up the kind of likes and comments there as well.
0: That makes sense. Makes sense a lot. Let's go back to manual bidding. Um, there's massive volatility in, 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 in manual bidding, at least from my experience, um, I could have, you know, um, you know, an ad set that's, you know, doing like, Five ROAS, five x ROAS, you know, today, and then tomorrow, it just it just flatlines, you know, totally. Uh, it would be like zero point five ROAS. Um and then you talked about, you know, the bid ranges, you know, which which is very very important. How do you sort of taper down on 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 pricing, you know, on, on not making those spikes? Because you could easily go through, you know, thousands of dollars if you do not manage. Even if you use, um, you know, reveal bot you know, if the right rules are not put in place, you could just burn a lot of, you know, money. Um so how do you find the 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 winning ads and how do you kill off, you know, the the non performing ads, you know, really quickly and at what times time stamps do you just, you know, um, you know, cut off the, the, the losing ads?
1: Um from So a, one of the biggest Yeah, I mean one of the biggest challenges I have on every single account because every single account is unique and Kind of audience and how, the, how everything's reacting is trying to find the best early indicator of success. So for example, um, more often than not, I'm looking at the cost per ad to cart. Like if my cost per ad to cart is within a certain range, then I know it will bottom out to giving me the CPA I want. So for example, if I'm running multiple ad sets and you know I know that after 5,000 impressions, I should have at least X number of ad to carts in my website conversion campaign, then I also know just based on history what my cost per add to cart should be to give me a good CPA. Then I'm using that as a, as a boundary to pause ads or ad sets um, or, or to even scale up as well. So um, that that's kind of the thing that I try and really, really hone down is to get the best early indicator of success. Now, if you've got a low ticket item, you should be getting a lot more view contents, your product page views or add to carts so if you've got a high ticket item. So I'm doing... Um, I'm actually scaling up a, an e-commerce brand that do an average order value of about $500. Their add to cart um, cost is, I think it's, I think their cart converts this into like 50%. So I know that, for example, if I hit a certain add to cart rate, then it will bottom out as, at this CPA, but they don't get as many add to carts as I would need. So I actually need to allow for more impressions, more budget to be spent to get me to a level of confidence Whereas if it's a $20 product, I know I can get there a lot quicker. So it's kind of understanding how long does it take you to get a significant number of add-to-carts to make a call on the cost per add-to-cart. Then I use that as an indicator. So, you know, if you're you're balancing performance on purchase and CPA and ROAS, you need enough conversions to make that happen. If not, then work slightly up the funnel and figure out what your early indicator is. Now, what I would stress is with, with things like cost per click, it doesn't mean where the cost per click is low that you're winning because sometimes when you're bidding in higher higher value auctions, you will actually pay more on your CPM and therefore your cost per click and therefore your metrics may look more expensive down the funnel. So I've seen this before where, you know, I've set a rule for my at a cart, but now I'm bidding for more expensive auctions where I've had ad sets and ads incorrectly paused where actually the conversion still did happen and actually the CPA was higher but the ROAS was also higher. And this is something which you can actually test with Facebook's built-in split test tool. And I'd encourage people to test that out where you can take a single audience, a single creative, so you're isolating that and test multiple bids and actually have a look at not just the CPA that comes out, but also the ROAS and the bid levels that you look at. And I encourage people to do that literally like now, don't wait for Q4 to do it. You can do it again in October to get ready for Q4. But the split test tool, I think, is an underused way of you know, scientifically splitting an audience by your bid levels, actually seeing how they react and what kind of CPN rows you're getting out as well. And then you'll, you'll get an idea for your kind of lead metrics, like your cost priority part, cost per initiate checkout, cost per view content, et cetera.
0: Nice one. Uh, definitely, you know, um, guys, listen, you know, try, try the split, you know, split test tool. ASAP. Thanks, Dipesh. All right. Um yeah so yeah this is this is amazing, amazing stuff okay, um, being respectful of your time, um Depeche, is there any other point around you know facebook q four and e commerce you we haven't talked about
1: I, I think the other thing we haven't touched on is Instagram, so mm-hmm. like I, if people have not already tested on instagram, number one instagram stories, and you know if you're, if you're not there, instagram stories are a kind of, um, 15 second video segments. You can also do carousels, but generally it's the kind of swipe down feature where you can have a story and you lead people on a the journey. The, the, the big opportunity here is the CPMs and the costs are lower here because there's more inventory and fewer advertisers. Mm-hmm. The second part is the journey from Instagram. It suits the shopper experience because Instagram is as a visual platform is better, kind of more eye pleasing and stuff as well. And you can be a lot more creative with your creative, but what I would stress is if you're taking someone from an Instagram story and into your product page, you're missing out a big part of that journey, which is actually just to warm them up through your landing page as well. So, uh, for example, we had a client where they did the swipe down, they took it to a blogger review page. And then the blogger talked about the client. Then the the link went into the client site and that that converted amazingly well because when you're swiping down from Instagram, you you don't have enough real estate to really push a kind of key message or do much with video and things like that. However, if you can get that placement to work, that's definitely worth looking at. Um, Have a look out for Instagram um, TV as well. It's just been launched. Mm-hmm. I imagine that Facebook are working hard to put ads in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, keep an eye on any new features that Facebook are rolling out. And I, I know they are working hard on rolling out new advertising inventory for Q4. And that's the kind of thing that I'm keeping an eye on. So I don't want to swim kind of where the fishes are. I want to go kind of more upstream and find the mm-hmm. opportunities where Facebook are introducing new stuff as well and start really experimenting as soon as I can on those to try and scale that out into Q4 as well.
0: Amazing! Amazing! Great stuff. So, so you reckon IG stories are are best for top top of funnel, you know, awareness, and you know, mid funnel. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, the Instagram feed. Um, what would you liken it to, to Facebook feed, um, in terms of direct response for, you know, reasonably for, for like low tickets or, you know, mid ticket items? Any it, it
1: can, it can. Yeah. So I think for low ticket items, it can work just as well as newsfeed for high ticket. I think it needs a slightly different journey because you're, you're limited in terms of the amount of copy and the kind of real estate, um, the, the kind of ad format that's working really well is the, um, kind of longer video format, for example, that works well on Instagram. Also, Instagram is a visual platform. People are expecting a better experience than Facebook. And what I mean by that is, whereas on Facebook, I'd say, don't polish it, leave it raw, etc. It's the opposite for Facebook, uh, for Instagram. I would say polish it for Instagram and make it look really cool because they're the kind of things that work as well. So there's, there's like so many apps that you can get on your iPhone or your Android for free, that will allow you to do really, really cool stuff with video and creative as well. And it doesn't take a lot of time or money to really experiment with your creative. And and there's some really cool things, like even something like um, stop-start, stop-motion videos of your product um, recorded on Instagram. Those kind of things work really well because it's fun and it matches the kind of feel for what Instagram's about as well. Yeah, the stop
0: motion, which which are like um, the loops. Yeah, um, I forget. What. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Depeche. Um, This is amazing. Um, I have I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Let's talk about your course. I'm super excited about your your course. You you have two. You have the the playbook, and then you have the e-commerce. Facebook advertising course. Could you shed some more light on,
1: on, 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 on,
0: you know, their structure, the curriculum, what to expect?
1: Yeah. So, so it's interesting. Like, um, you know, if you go back 18 months, I never had a plan to start a Facebook ads agency that happened. And as as I was kind of getting deeper into agency world and recruiting people up, I needed to train my team up and I wanted to actually find a plug and play course on the market. Couldn't find one, ended up developing all this material for my team and then I figured, actually, this is really good. Like, I wonder if other people would be interested in it. I launched it in alpha, got some great feedback, launched it in beta, finessed it, improved it. And then it went live kind of end of March, April um, this year. And the, the feedback has been like, for me, it's been phenomenal. It's been really humbling to know that actually the stuff I know that works and I've used is actually applicable and working for other people. Like that's the hardest thing. I can be an expert at something, but if you can't persuade or you can't teach it to other people, Um, you know, you, you're keeping your genius to yourself and and that's really, really hard. Like I can't, if you, if you've done training courses and stuff before, it's really, really hard to get your thought process into a place where it's structured and it makes sense for other people and other people with very different backgrounds. You know, like I would say, you know, you touched on art and science. I'd say that my left and right brain is fairly balanced. Like I'm as creative as I am technical there's lots of people that are non-creative, lots of people that are non-technical. And actually trying to build something that appeals to everyone is really, really difficult. But I have that and I've validated that. And it makes me super kind of happy that I can actually do that. What I did was to create a playbook program, which was literally everything that we use in an agency. So literally what people have in the playbook is the same training material we use in, in, internally. And also because I keep it updated... It means that anyone that's on the Playbook course gets everything that we're updating in the agency as well. So new ad formats, anything new with Facebook, anything that changes with manual bid, et cetera. But the Playbook is more of a coaching program. So it's actually eight weeks access to me in a private community where I'm actually helping people not just apply, but they can ask questions and learn. We have live video calls and all that kind of stuff. So it's more of a coaching program, whereas the e-commerce course is more of a standalone course. There's a six-week kind of weekly coaching program, But that's without the direct access. And what I'm trying to do is, you know, there's different people at different stages of their development. Some people want to work with me directly and my team and with uh, the other people in the mastermind, which is absolutely fine. But obviously it comes at a different premium to just the course. And, you know, people just want structure they want to know how how do I scale? How do I optimize? How do I test? Um, But they don't necessarily want to be involved in any kind of program. So that's kind of how I've split that up.
0: Okay. So, so playbook is, is a full fledged course. They have direct access to you for eight weeks through your private Facebook group. And then the e-com, um, you know, um, course is, uh, you know, is, is over six weeks. We they have access group that have access to you over six weeks, right. But as a group, for, from a group coaching standpoint
1: is, is that's that- right. So it's a, it's a weekly call, uh, once a week. So we'll, we'll jump on. And what I want to do is take people through, um, the guts of it. So like, for example, when I talk about e-commerce, it's not just about how to test and optimize. It's also how, what's your strategy on business managers and accounts and pixels and, um, setting up your reporting and things like that. And what I'm doing in the group, group coaching is taking people through the entire journey, no matter where you are, to make sure your foundations are strong. Because if you're scaling up, I can tell you this, I've seen this so many times, both for myself and other people, when you're scaling hard, the thing that you won't imagine, imagine that will um, stall your growth is your account billing. Like you've got a limit on your spend or how much your debit card can take or you know, your debit card gets um, cancelled out because it looks fraudulent because you're spending $600 a day and you want to $6,000. So, so many of these nuances that if you don't get it right before Q4, it's just going to trip you up.
0: Yep. Yeah. been there. <laughs> I, know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. 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 So, um, guys, um, every guys and girls listening, please, um, to, to have access to, to, to the elite, to, to playbook, you know, course. Um, there's, there's a link, go to 2xecommerce, you know, .com forward slash Depeche or just search for, um, for, for, for Deepesh. Um, on, on Google, you'd find the course. It's 2xecommerce.com forward slash Deepesh. I would um, you know, put a link on, um, on the show notes, um, both in, in the audio, um, in the podcast you know, app you're using or on, on the 2xecommerce website. Um, the, I am recommending Deepesh because he's one of the few voices I listen to. Um, around Facebook advertising because there's a lot of noise out there. And this is me genuinely talking, you know, um, you know, reaching out to you guys. There is a lot of noise out there on what's working and what's not. You just need to go to a Facebook, you know, group and um, just sink in or go to Twitter, you know, and and just get all the information. There's too much information. And Deepesh is, is a voice is, he's a voice to, to listen to. He has direct access to, to Facebook, and um, yeah, I have learned a ton of you know um, tips, strategies from him, which I have applied, and um, for free, <laughs> for free, and you know, uh, and, and they work. So, um, yeah, I, I can't, you know, recommend him enough. Um, if you're interested for, on, on the, in the e-commerce one, I think I'll link through um, also from the show notes. I don't have the URL here, uh, but either way, um, just wait out um, and, you know, have a look. W- what are the price points for, or would you rather them go in and just, you know, read through the landing page?
1: Yeah, I mean, have a look at the landing page um, and we'll, we'll sort out a special rate for your listeners as well.
0: Okay. All right. Awesome. Awesome. I'll, I'll add it to the show notes. Dipesh, thank you so much um, for coming. But before I let you go, before I let you go, I have two, um, you know, questions. Um, what, what, What's your favorite book? What, what are your favorite books in terms of like the book that's made the highest impact in where you've building a business, you know, today?
1: I, I think the, interestingly, like I, I've gone quite deep into understanding behavioral psychology and things like, Thinking Slow and Fast, that kind of, that, those kind of books have really kind of opened up my thinking around the consumer. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, you can read lots of business books like um, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is really good to open your mind up as an entrepreneur and kind of how you manage your expenditure and your profits and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's a combination of psychology and kind of behavioral psychology books And there's kind of entrepreneurial books. And I don't like to, I find it hard to kind of select one book because I don't want people just focusing on one. But I think it's more, um, getting a blend of entrepreneurial experience, but also mindset. And like a lot of people discount mindset and Mm. whether it's your own mindset or the people you're selling to, but you, you do that at your peril, like marketing, Channels change like Facebook may or may not be around in five, 10 years time. Um, you know, some other platforms going to come up, but marketing, human behavior, psychology, they're ever present. That doesn't change. And, and that's kind of where I try and uh, focus my attention at, on kind of teaching people is work on those foundations. You're selling to a person. It's not um, a digital person online. It's actually a physical person that has a brain that has challenges, that has budgets and things like that. Tapping into that is part of the success of actually growing a business, no matter what you're doing.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, I I, I can't stress um, you know enough the the importance of mindset, financial mindset. You know, um, just mindsets of understanding. You know, um, you know of marketing in, you know in general, especially with the customer service. so Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I'll, I'll check. out think. Think fast. Is it think it fast and slow? Yeah, by um by Daniel. Yeah, it's, it's it's, it's, yeah, that's it,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay,
0: all right, cool. And then um, in terms of like tools, what does your Facebook tool set look like?
1: So I guess because I run an agency, it may be slightly like different to most people, but the, the core thing is I do use Ads Manager. I use a tool called Supermetrics to pull the data into Google Sheets and do deeper analysis. I use RevealBot for rules. although I'm experimenting more with Facebook roles. Um, we also use... Slack where I have for example a channel per client or per account that I'm working on and all my Reveal Bot rules are pinged into there we have kind of client conversations etc um, I've actually started playing with a tool called Same Page rather than Asana and Trello for a kind of task management which has made a Big, big difference, um, and they're really the main tools that I'm using um, day in and day out.
0: Interesting. I'm going to check out the same page, you know, thing. And um, yeah, it's interesting to use Slack for for every single client. Amazing, amazing. It was, it was, it was a long time coming, but we did it, and I think it's, it, was, it was good timing, um, especially with, with regards to the you know the ecom, um, the e commerce you know course you have, you know, against Q4, you know, which people should be thinking about now. Um, So so many, many thanks to Pesh again.
1: Absolutely. It's a pleasure being here and I'm looking forward to seeing your success in Q4 as well. Well,
0: Cheers. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Check out show notes on 2xecommerce.com forward slash podcast. Also be sure to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Kunle Campbell and the 2x e-commerce handle is at 2xecommerce. Um, if you haven't already, please write us a review and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you like um, this episode, share it with friends on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. 2X e-commerce is produced by me, Kune Campbell, with the help of Buban Makic. Do have a fantastic week ahead and um, thank you for listening. Cheers. Bye. So that was a wrap on this week's episode of 2x e-commerce. Remember, you can catch me every week.